Mission Arts, like any, any kind of programming, is, is about the listener and giving people um, a variety to choose from. I think there are definitely things that people hear on the station that challenges them. And that's true no matter what kind of programming you're talking about, but Transmission Arts, Experimental Sounds, they all challenge us in a way that's, I think, healthy. And it also, it pushes us to think outside of the box when it comes to what might be more traditional broadcast. Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. My name is Paul Reismandel, and as we close out 2020, I thought it'd be nice to kind of have a little bit of a palate cleanser and revisit a radio station tour conducted by my Radio Survivor colleague, Jennifer Waits, uh, back in July of 2018, where she had the fantastic opportunity to visit community radio station WGXC, also known as The Wave Farm. And um, it's a really fun and, and, and uh, interesting station, and, and a tour as well has some great audio. And I think it's a, a great time to, to revisit this really fun tour uh, with Jennifer. We'll start things off with Jennifer telling us just exactly where WGXC and the Wave Farm are located. Yeah, I talked to Lynn Sloniker. She is the station manager and the managing news editor, and, and she's based in the Hudson studio. So she led me on a tour of their church basement digs and talked about the overall mission of WGXC. And and here she tells us a little bit about, you know, kind of what makes WGXC unique in terms of having lots of different streams of content. So here we'll listen to Lynn Slonecker. At the top of the player, we have WGXC, which okay. is our main uh, stream. This is the stream that you hear on FM most consistently. Okay. Uh, we have Standing Wave Radio, which um, is the stream coming out of ICRA, and that is often on FM as well. That's the stream that you hear on FM overnight and on Saturdays. And are they, so at other times of the day, is there material in that stream mm -hmm. that you're not hearing on FM? Yeah, so here, oh, if, I, okay. if I play this now. What opera is So this is a from the archives, and you can on this this player is very helpful because it gives you your now playing and your up next for all these streams where that's applicable. Oh, okay. So, um, and then you have Weather Warlock. You'll see the Warlock tomorrow when you're over in um, Acre. This is a great one, and you've—I know if you've heard Tom, if you heard Tom on the morning show, you heard this. But it's an analog drone synthesizer oh. that uses the information on the weather. Oh, that's right. Yes, this is one of my personal favorites. <laughs> this is great to have going when you're working. <laughs> um. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's quite. It's and how is Quintron involved? He was he developed it, and oh, created it. Great. Yeah. yeah. Then we have uh, Mike at the bottom of the pond station. 
created by Zach Poff. He's up here quite regularly keeping it going and maintaining it. And then our All Together Now stream, which is a 24-7 stream of our um, news coverage. Um, so if you ever want to hear that, or actually all of these streams are, um, are great for general listeners, but our programmers can use this on air. So if you decide, you know, like using Tom as an example, the way he uses Quintron, mm -hmm. or he uses the Pawn Station, he puts that on and that's his bed oh. that he talks over. Um, or if someone decides that, you know, for whatever reason, maybe there's something on altogether now that they're interested in and they, they want to bring to their listeners, um, they can play the altogether now stream. That's really cool. Yeah. And then we have our live partner streams that appear below that in the player. This is where anyone who generates a stream using our app, this is where their stream would appear. So the general public can have access, and here again, it could be picked up on FM if that's appropriate or desired. Wow. Yeah. So using our, our app does really three things. It allows you to listen live to the radio and all of these individual streams, if that's, you know, you have that to choose from as well. Um, it allows you to create a playlist um, from our archive. Third function is that you can actually transmit as an individual. So that's an option within the app. So really all you have to do to make that happen so say you want it, for instance, you're a, um, you know, you're a regular attendee at your um, city council meeting, um, and you want, you think that people should hear what's going on, because the city itself hasn't taken any action to live broadcast or to report, yeah. which around here is pretty much the case. So you, um, you download our app. Um, you go to our website, there's a s short form for you to fill out where you explain, where you say who you are, um, what you want to broadcast. We then give you an ID and a login, and you can initiate a broadcast from any place that you want to initiate a broadcast. There are certain parameters, you know, you're given direction on um, things having to do with labeling and um, you know, all, all the particulars that um, people would understand so they understand the context for what they're doing. Yeah. And it appears then, so you initiate your, your stream and it shows up on our Listen Live bar um, and on the app. Wow. Uh, for anyone who might be listening. Um, the town of Catskill um, broadcasts their um, monthly to a bi-monthly um, town board meetings using the app. So their meetings are at 6.30. That falls right in the middle of our news hour. So nine times out of ten, we pick that up live Oh wow! on FM. And the voice you just heard is Lynn Soniker. She is the managing news editor and station manager of community radio station WGXC in Hudson, New York. And then WGXC has another enormous kind of studio complex out on a farm called the Wave Farm. 
up in Acre, New York. And Jennifer, you had a chance uh, to also travel up there about 20 minutes away. Uh, set the scene. What does this wave farm look like? Ooh, it's amazing. It's it's a 29-acre property. And when you arrive, there's a main building where they have a library. They call it their study center. And then upstairs, there's a radio studio. And, and when I was there, there was also uh, an artist in residence, Dan Tapper, doing a performance out kind of in front of the building. And then there are trails and um, paths throughout the property where on my visit, I was led by the sounds of radios hidden in the woods that, that take you on this path to see different artist installations. So the kind of library they have in the study center also has a display of a bunch of radios, a lot of vintage radios and books about radio and recordings from performances a big focus on transmission arts in that room. This is a wooded area, so it's not like sometimes you think farm and you think of fields, right? You know, as if they maybe they were growing alfalfa or something. Uh, you know, only in this case, they're growing waves. But is it so? Is it mostly kind of more wooded and more foresty? Oh yeah, it's woodsy, and they have a pond uh, where the pond station is, which we've talked about on Radio Survivor, and we'll be before. talking more about <laughs> the, with the creator of the pond station a little bit later in the show. Yeah, it's just a lovely kind of summer camp feeling. And and in fact, I learned on the visit that an AM station that they have installed on the property was actually installed by Dan Braverman, who we spoke with on the podcast about summer camp radio. And, and he, in fact, had set up their AM station <laughs> at Wave Farm. So a lot of really cool, interesting connections there and a lot of different types of broadcasts, which we're going to learn about in a bit. And so you had a chance to sit down in the studios there, the radio studios at the Wave Farm there in Acre, New York of Wave Farm. And you had a chance to talk with one of the founders of the station and, and the Wave Farm operation. Yeah, Tom Rowe is the artistic director. And he talked to me about the the backstory, you know, how, how he got into radio and, and his micro-broadcasting past. And, and the whole philosophy, you know, Wave Farm is actually a nonprofit arts organization that operates this radio station, WGXC, but they also have artists in residence, they offer media arts grants. So they're doing a lot more than radio. And, and all of that is based um, out of, you know, the main Wave Farm outpost in Acre. Well, let's go ahead and listen to your interview with Tom Rowe, Artistic Director of Wave Farm. We join you talking with Tom in the main studio there, exploring some of the sound toys available to artists. The studio we're in has a lot of amazing objects, so could you maybe talk through and and play a little bit of, of some of the toys sure, you have in here? Sure, we can uh, go around, and, and the main reason... Uh, is because we have this artist residency program of artists that work with radio. And so it, it's set up with tools for artists to do um, any kind of radio that they want. So um, maybe you could play some of those. I can't reach those, but there's a bunch of, uh, of uh, uh, kids' toys. You can just uh, touch it and pick up that avocado and shake it. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's the avocado uh, shaker. Uh, there's slide whistles, there's drums, there's accordions. 
there's so a lot of kids' toys, harmonicas, but uh, there's a Brazilian uh, percussion instrument. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, different uh, Foley instruments, and then we have a air, air organ. He's, uh, in my, my house, we had one in the 70s, and I think a lot of my friends in the 1970s find these air organs that have this really nice, the minor keys are really lovely. Oh yeah, uh, I wish I'd had one. We have the... What are these called? Music box? Simpsons theme song. Then we have all kinds of... Uh, These are little handheld sound effects. They're toys. called sound machines. Uh, if you're looking online to find them, uh, you can find them in uh, Amazon and eBay. Uh, and you can also find them in dollar stores. Uh, oh wow, what was that? Which one? Which one? This the one, one with that lovely refrain. Oh, that, yes, that is a nice, uh, I think it's supposed to be a violin or a cello. Oh yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, sounds the most popular that gets used in both studios is the applause uh, when you have a guest or something. And, uh, uh, but you can also make fun of the things people say. Uh, and then back here are the uh, chimes from Dick Higgins, orchestral chimes. Fluxus artist. Uh, this is my favorite keyboard. I found it at a thrift store in Baltimore in uh, 20 years ago. It's called the Rap Man. And um, I don't have anything hooked up to it, but it has a line in and you can and it has a vocoder on it. So you can run anything like play a CD into it or something, play some sound and then use the vocoder to change the uh, instrumentation and uh, I didn't put it on rap. First, here's the pawn station. We just saw the pawns. I'm not sure it's going to. Oh no, the hum is from something else. Oh, I know what the hum is from. There's the pawn station. Okay. And then I'll add the weather warlock. So we do our weather reports with the uh, weather radio and the outside microphone and the microphones in the bottom of the pond, uh, especially when it's raining uh, uh, or snowing, all that sounds much more interesting. The pond station sounds sort of like a, a space science fiction soundtrack uh, when there's rain coming down on the outside. And 
You can also hear when a plane goes overhead, the sound travels really well through water. Uh, oh, wow. You know, there's hydrophones in the Pacific Ocean that uh, pick up uh, earthquakes and landfalls from, you know, miles and miles away. Uh, they, they the, you know, Russia and the United States spy on each other with hydrophones in the, uh, to see if they're, uh, listen for their uh, submarines from far, far away and things like that. Uh, so uh, if a plane flies overhead, you can hear it through the water in the pond station, or if I'm mowing the lawn uh, near the pond, you can hear it through the pond station. Uh, uh, Zach Poff, the artist that created it, uh, he says, oh, I can tell when you're mowing the lawn, because he listens all the time. And uh, uh, So that's all available on the website. I think we've made most of our other sounds. There's, you know, turntables, uh, cassette player, uh, CD players, the traditional things you see in... Uh, 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 a radio studio. There's also um, turn on the uh, shortwave radios. So you really can play the studio here. Oh, yes, that is the, exactly <laughs> that is exactly the idea. It's the play of the studio. Now there's shortwave radios. There's uh, regular radios. Um, uh, so yes, you're meant to be able to uh, pull in any kind of sound that you can think of. Uh, uh, the drum machine isn't uh, plugged in at the moment, but that's also here. Um, and if we try to, uh, as often as possible, have like four or five different people come in, and you know somebody can be back there at the chime, someone can be at the keyboard, someone can be playing the shortwave radios, someone can be playing all the foley instruments or the air organ, and someone can be playing the weather warlock and the uh, pond station and things. Yeah, it's so much fun. So a, a big part of what you do is transmission arts, and some of our listeners might not know what that is. Could you explain what transmission art is? Well, I, radio art is probably the term that more people think of, but um, we use the term transmission arts because, um, uh, well, radio people think of is just FM or AM. But really, radio is television, it's uh, your cell phone, they're all using radio waves, the baby monitor. Um, so we've made transmission art as a term uh, to encompass all those other things, because we work with artists that use uh, baby monitors, that use uh, uh, cell phones in their work, that use um, uh, Faraday uh, cages that block uh, transmission. Uh, uh, that use light waves. Uh, um, there's visual artists that you, uh, we work with. Um, so um, it's just a broader term for radio art and using the radio waves in uh, artistic practice. I'm a bit overwhelmed by everything, but could you tell me how the AM station is broadcasting and, and what the content of that station is? The AM station is usually broadcasting um, uh, standing wave radio, which is... Uh, our uh, transmission art feed that's 24-7. Um, uh, the standing wave radio airs on WGXC um, on all day Saturday and between midnight and 6 a.m. So we are uh, radio art overnights and on Saturdays. Um, so the two feeds are, are simultaneous at that point on both a.m. and FM. Um, it also, uh, I think actually right now, it's not broadcasting Standing Wave Radio, it's broadcasting uh, Dan Tapper's uh, work. He's the artist in residence here, and so it's another tool for uh, residency artists to use. Uh, uh, like our first residence this season were from France, uh, Dinah Bird and John Philippe, and they uh, used, um, they performed around the M49, the, uh, it's an old uh, local fire department's radio truck, uh, 
and where the AM uh, transmitter is, and uh, they used they fed uh, something into the um, some of their performance into the AM. Uh, transmitter and then had radios spread around their performance area and then uh, made other sounds and so it, it became a part of their orchestra, uh, the AM uh, transmitter that day. And so is it, um, it's a low low power kind of transmitter so you're only hearing the AM in a short distance, yeah, you is that did, correct? You guys did the camp radio story with Dan yeah. Braverman, it's, it's actually Dan Braverman set it up and oh. it, it is a, a, a camp radio AM radio. Yes. No way, wow. Yes. Maybe, maybe, can you give me some backstory? Let's go way back um, as to how you ended up here at Wave Farm, because I know you were doing work, similar work in in Brooklyn. You want to give you the, the quick, uh, the speedy history? I started in uh, Tampa, Florida, uh, with radio in 1994. Um, my friends and I were uh, in a neighborhood called Ebor City in. Uh, uh, I had a record store, uh, there was a bookstore, used clothing store, uh, and we had uh, we put on uh, DIY concerts and such back in the day, um, hip-hop shows and punk rock shows and uh, shows that uh, couldn't get put on in any normal venue because uh, they wouldn't take a chance on that sort of thing. Um, and the neighborhood went from... Um, I think something like, and this is literally true, I'm not making up these numbers, from uh, having like three or five bars to having 150 bars in an 18-month period. Um, it was because of uh, a number of weird factors. The gentrification was just on a hyper scale. Um, and so we were basically getting um, moved out of our neighborhood um, because of these you know, rents going up and uh, you know, bars can pay much more in rent than... Uh, uh, a used record store, uh, and um, so we th uh, were thinking, like, how can we create a, uh, a space uh, that's immune from these things, a virtual space, and uh, one of our friends in our circle was a former, uh, he was in the Navy, and he did radio signal work for the Navy, and he took an old, um, some kind of old na naval or army radio and turned it into an FM transmitter. And it was the first time he built it. He wasn't that great at it at first. And so the few times a year in Florida where we get cold, you know, because the walls in Florida are not uh, thick like up here uh, uh, for when it gets cold, because it only gets cold like a one weekend or two. But uh, the transmitter would, um, it would move from, it was on 87.7, and it would move from 87.7 to like 88.1 or something or, or 87.5. Um, it would shift when it got cold because it wasn't that... Uh, uh, robust at first, um, but at the time uh, there were all these other groups in Tampa. We didn't know at first, um, but at one point um, I left New York to, for New York City before this happened. But there were uh, there was a meeting in a church of seven different local pirate radio stations in Tampa. One was run by the cousin of the boxer Hector Macho Camacho. Uh, one uh, was um, there were a couple other church stations. Uh, there was uh, a uh, libertarian or pre-Tea Party. This was 1994, 95. Uh, well, the, the time I'm talking about was 1996 or 97, I think. Um, uh, this pre-Tea Party, very super uh, right-wing guy, Lonnie Cobras. And a third station was run by Doug Brewer, who built transmitters and sold them around the country like... Um, uh, Stephen Dunifer at the time, but not as he was. He was more right wing, and uh, he did a station called the Party Pirate. It was one of the only stations in the country that I know of pi pirate stations that made the Arbitron ratings, uh, 
And after it made the Arbitron ratings and he was selling these transmitters across the country, the Wall Street Journal did a front page story about him with, uh, you know how the Wall Street Journal does those little artist sketches. There's a little artist yeah. sketch of Doug Brewer on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. And two or three weeks later, the uh, Tampa FCC office, which uh, I believe has the record for busting more pirate stations than any other in the country, um, they came with SWAT teams on 87X, the Party Pirate, and Lonnie Cobras' station. I have an interview with him where Lonnie Cobras talks about how they um, came at 6 in the morning, um, banged on his door, dragged him out of the house, and put him in a foreign-made car, a foreign-made car, a non-police car, and that was his, he was really upset that they put him in a foreign-made uh, car, like a Toyota or something. Uh, <laughs> so I had moved to New York by the time that the three stations, the SWAT teams came, uh, and, um, and about the time that the SWAT teams, right before the SWAT teams came, we got our own station up on the air in New York City. Um, I famously tell people that Rupert Murdoch paid for our station, Free Warner 3.9, because I wrote for the New York Post. I had a music column there for uh, a short time. Um, so Rupert Murdoch paid for our pirate uh, transmitter, uh, and um, we had a, a space right next to the Williamsburg Bridge in Brooklyn. Uh, but we also, um, and we started with one transmitter on 103.9 FM, but... Uh, we started accumulating other transmitters, either from gifts or, or building them or whatnot. Um, and we would um, lend out the transmitters for like a weekend at a time to different groups who were having a party or an event or a meeting or whatever. Um, we recorded everything onto VHS tape. You could make eight-hour uh, VHS recordings, um, just audio. Uh, and so we would record everything onto eight-hour VHS audio tapes. And so when we lent out the transmitters, we would give them a VCR and a stack of eight-hour tapes so that when they went to sleep at night, they could keep the transmitter on by playing uh, reruns. Our strategy was just to put up flyers on the telephone poles of where we believed the signal would get, how far, you know, depending on how high we could get the antenna up uh, or, you know, compared to the other buildings in the neighborhood is how far you could go. Uh, that's how we would get listeners that way. Um, we never, as far as we know, we never got a visit from the FCC. We got visits, though, from other pirates. Uh, one day we were having a yard sale broadcast, a stoop sale on the sidewalk, and this guy comes up on his bike, and he's like a, an older uh, uh, Hasidic Jewish man, and he's like, you've got a pirate radio station, I've got a pirate radio station too, and he told us all the stories about how the more conservative uh, Hasidic community was um, trying to shut him down because he would broadcast news from Israel that wasn't all uh, pro-Israel, or uh, it also uh, took into account the Palestinians, and uh, it was more of a fair-sided uh, thing, so he was getting um, pushback from that. Uh, in New York City, there's only so many frequencies that you can use. I mean, we did events... Um, uh, Later on, we would do these multi-transmitter events uh, called tune-ins or radio 4x4s where we'd use four or five different transmitters. The tune-in was the most famous. We did it at the kitchen and some other um, New York art uh, spaces um, where we would have um, performers all playing. Um, but if you came to the space, it was silent. And when you came to the door and paid your admission, you got a little handheld radio with headphones and a card that said that... Um, uh, Thurston Moore was playing on 88.1 at 8 p.m., and Scanner was playing on 88.7 at 9 p.m., and so there were five different, six different performances at the same time, 
uh, going on on different frequencies. And, and so instead, of, it was meant to be a concert experience that um, when you go to a concert, everyone has basically the same experience. You're all standing forward looking at the performer and hearing the same thing. And this was meant to be a concert experience where everyone had exactly uh, their own perf uh, 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 night uh, you could be listening to one of the five or six uh, featured channels, or you could be listening to commercial radio, or you could be listening to the static in between the stations, whatever you wanted. Uh, there was one time um, during one of these tune-ins that uh, this performer who called himself Donna Summer, his real name was Jason Forrest, um, but he was a mashup artist and a DJ kind of person, and he would did the trick the DJs do where you take out the headphones out of the headphone jack and plug them into the input jack, and then they use him as a microphone so he spoke into his headphones and said anybody who's listening to me raise your hand and so about you know a third of the hands in the audience went up and the rest of the people all looked around like why are you raising your hands because they were listening to something else so that voice you just heard is tom rowe artistic director of wave farm home to radio and transmission arts and also home to community radio station wgxc serving Greene and Columbia counties in New York State, along with many other stations detailed earlier. This is Radio Survivor. I'm Paul Reismandel. Radio Survivor is heard on non-commercial radio stations around North America, like WGXC. And you can listen online at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast or through your favorite podcast app. Now let's return to the Acre New York studio of Wave Farm, where Jennifer Waits continues her conversation with Tom Rowe. Tom picks up the story of Wave Farm's evolution, explaining how their present-day Hudson Valley environs differ from their earlier home in Brooklyn. We, we only knew about four or five or six, at the most, frequencies that you could use in New York City because the dial is so um, busy. Uh, and it's the most... The, the biggest difference from um, our days as a pirate in New York City and our days as a nonprofit up here, uh, the dial is just uh, radically different up here. There's much more open space. There's much more static in between stations, and there's not as much uh, station crowding. Mm, okay. And so when did you move up here? That was 2004, and we kept doing things in New York City um, at the Ontological Theater uh, uh, and other places in New York City. Um, and, and we still have partnerships in, with these different venues in New York City that broadcast. But we moved up here in t t 2004, and the idea was to create an artist residency program and to uh, um, be able to do other things. Uh, we didn't for, uh, dream about getting an FM license as a former pirate, um, but I think it was 2007 uh, when the word went out that they, they were going to have a... Uh, full power um, non-commercial educational licenses were going to be available um, and so we applied in that window uh, I think the deadline was 2008 and um, we beat the competition because we were the only uh, local uh, uh, applicant um, and uh, it took us till 2011 to raise all the money uh, to get the radio station on the air so we're a full power 3,300 watt uh, station and, and the irony, you know, of course, is that when they passed the low-power FM bill that we worked, um, we lobbied, went to D.C. And, and worked to get the low-power FM bill, but they put that um, part in it that you couldn't get a low-power FM station if you were a former pirate, um, but we're totally allowed to um, get a, uh, a full-power license. 
Could you tell me a little bit, I know there's an artist in residence right now, can you tell me a little bit about um, what his project has been this week? His project is, is a lot with uh, VLF, or very low frequencies, and um, his, he's creating installations around the uh, seven planets in our solar system, and uh, doing these uh, kind of uh, metaphorical uh, broadcasts uh, uh, about each of the planets, and, uh, and using a lot of the NASA uh, VLF uh, uh uh, recordings that are available, and he's also has a, his own VLF out there, uh, picking up. Uh, you know, the uh, VLF is ba- basically the very low frequencies that pick up the sounds that the planets um, broadcast themselves the, from their magnetic fields. Wow. And remind me his name again. Dan Tapper. Dan Tapper. He lives in Toronto. He's formerly from England. Uh, um, and uh, the first artists that we had this year were from uh, Paris. Um, and uh, other artists so far was uh, Molly Bendel was from Baltimore. She's a, a, I think, 23 or 24, a younger artist just getting started. So we um, work with artists that are just getting started in the um, media art and radio art fields. And then uh, more established artists that have been around forever. Uh, and also we work with some uh, sound and noise artists uh, that are known more for other things, but then they apply to do something in radio. Uh, Aaron Dillaway is, is a noise artist that's coming later in the season. Uh, and Quintron from New Orleans did the Weather Warlock, uh, but he's known more for his uh, uh, indie rock kind of performances, I guess. Uh, um, so we... We really have all different kinds. David Gorin, that we were talking about before, has been an uh, artist in residency before. Uh, um, Scanner from England. Uh, uh, all kinds of different people. We've tried to set it up um, as open-ended as possible so artists can do what they want. We're not trying to suggest uh, what they might uh, want to do. Like uh, the artist in residence, you know, we try to... Um, uh, make sure they know that um, every night at midnight they could do um, a radio show while they're here and like uh, Dan Tapper, the current artist he's doing um, he's been doing these audio diaries uh, of what he's been working on um, that have been between 5 and 15 minutes basically Um, but you know some people do radio plays, some people do uh, uh, you know kind of fictional War of the Worlds kind of broadcasts some people just play music and do something totally different than their artistic practice uh, that they're working on all weekend. It's sort of a break, and, and we really like that um, the late night radio thing, the uh, whispering secrets into the air uh, with people having transistor radios under their pillow. I, I mean, I, the question I always ask of our guests is, uh, how did you get in uh, interested in radio for the first time? And I always when I turn tell that my story is I grew up listening to in Baltimore or outside of Baltimore listening to WFBR uh, and listening to Baltimore Oriole games at night and then um, the morning DJ was uh, oh I'm forgetting his name uh, he was a kind of famous one of those morning uh, pre Howard Stern kind of morning jokester but uh, did a lot of uh, cutting up uh, stuff 
in like the style of Dickie Goodman, the uh, who was the guy in the late fifties and sixties did, did those um, space parodies about aliens attacking, cut up with pop music songs like the answer, uh, sort of like the Seth Meyers question and answer thing with um, Sarah Sanders, but with uh, aliens, and then the answers would come from pop songs. Uh, uh, um, so, so I grew up listening with a transistor radio under my pillow, and so we like uh, to let artists. Um, give a new generation of lis- radio listeners uh, a chance to hear some uh, radio magic after dark uh, uh, and on Saturdays during the day, too. So that's reminding me, so when we were walking through the property, there were radios everywhere, and I think my daughter was saying something about that would be really spooky at night. The phasing is, is kind of weird. That um, they're, they're all picking up a signal at the same time, but the way that they're placed in different... Uh, it gives this uh, really spooky quality to it. Yes, she picked right up on that. Uh, it's meant to be a kind of a lore, uh, you know, uh, the Greek myth. Uh, the sound is supposed to lure you up the path uh, to the next uh, sound, um, which is a kind of a spooky explanation, too. How many radios are out there? Uh, today, there's probably 10 or 15, but uh, it depends on how, many, how long I have to get them together and... Uh, how many are working and how many have got left in the rain and don't work anymore or uh, we have to dry them out and they often come back after they've been left in the rain. Uh, Radios are pretty tough. Uh, So this is uh, broadcasting the AM station, so this is part of Dan's project here. But it was almost like triggered as if like I will persevere. I will persevere through this sickness. Bringing news every eighty-seven days as my orbit concludes. Dark magicians are trapped in a hollow shell of power. A messenger ready to break free and live by their own law. It's perched in that tree. It'd be creepy at night. <laughs> Tom always wants to do some kind of scary Halloween thing uh, here, yeah. But he hasn't done it yet. In that last little bit of field audio, you heard Way Farm Executive Director Galen Joseph Hunter giving a tour of the grounds to Jennifer Waits and her family. Before that was Jennifer's interview with Way Farm Artistic Director Tom Rowe. You can find Wave Farm online along with all its radio stations and online audio streams at wavefarm.org. I'm Paul Reesmandel, and this is Radio Survivor. Hey, do you want to follow up on the many bits of radio history and arcana discussed on today's show? Of course you do. So check out our show notes at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. This one is episode number 151. Next, we're going to hear from one of Wave Farm's artists in residence, responsible for the weather warlock you've heard about. Radio Survivor's Eric Klein called up the musician Quintron to learn more.
I've been building analog since for some number of years now, for all oh, 20, 20 or more years, and uh, have always really enjoyed working with uh, strange new ways to filter the sounds in the circuits as opposed to twisting knobs or pressing buttons. Um, all you're doing is, is varying voltage and constricting it and switching things in, in different ways. And you can certainly find ways to do that with the kinetic energy that is the weather, which is happening all the time and changing all the time. And wind is, you know, wind is one of the greatest gifts of kinetic energy that we have. So I've built these sensors, a set of sensors that attaches to a pole outside and it's wired to the synth Gener you know, the sounds that are being generated are in the brains of it inside. And there is a set of uh, two wind speed anemometers that are filtering uh, two notes in the cord. And then there is a sky sensor, a sun sunrise and sunset sensor, or a gloomy day sensor, a moon sensor. And there is a rain sensor, which, but it would work with snow or dew or moisture. And then there is a temperature sensor. And in the future, there will be things like barometric pressure and other parameters but i'm up i'm up to just those five now and so it's it's droning in a and it's changing uh well, with, the, with the weather the uh the um People often say that, that the weather is making the sound, and that's really inaccurate uh, statement. That really, the sounds are being generated. This I've built a synth that generates an F major chordal drone, or you can shift it to different uh, chords. But the one I'm really into right now is F major. So you've got the root, the third, the fifth, and the high octave, and those four notes are being pushed and pulled and massaged and filtered through various classic analog circuitry um, by changes in the different components of the weather. That's the nutshell explanation of what's happening. Yeah, beautiful. And so let's, um, you can build this thing and enjoy it yourself. <laughs> like eh, other people could do this, but you've, um, You've essentially also turned it into a web stream, an online radio station. Is that right? Yeah. the the real I think the 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 real importance of this project and the epiphany that I had. I've had this idea forever, and I've been kind of working on it forever. And I did um, a big residency, uh, my first one ever, uh, art residency in. Captiva, Florida. It was a Robert Rauschenberg residency, and I went there to work on this weather synth. I, I knew what I was going to do, and I had the circuits, and I had all the pieces to build. And then um, as I began doing it, I realized, but my first thought was like, how can I make this smaller and cheap and manufacture it for people to buy? To you know, Wouldn't it be cool to be able to go get a, at the hardware store a uh, weird weather drone, you know, help you get to sleep at night kind of in wacky invention. And then it hit me literally in the middle of the night, like lightning bolt, like 
this should stream for free. It should be free. I should make, because I was holding myself back from building the best one I could build. I was th- constantly thinking like cheaper components, smaller. How can I cut corners here to make it affordable for your regular person? And maybe it seems obvious <laughs> to somebody else, but it wasn't obvious to me. And I was like, oh no, this needs to be radio, free radio, online radio, all the time, constantly yeah. changing forever and then i can make the ultimate deluxe one and i can don't have to cut any corners and i can just do, do the craziest circuits i want and add the wildest you know additions and uh it just is part of this kind of shared project and that was really um that that kind of changed a lot of my thinking about everything that that um idea to make it public and free and, and streaming and that that is available to us now for fairly cheap you know i pay maybe 30 bucks a month for my for somebody else to host it mm-hmm. um and that's available for listeners to hear at this very moment at weather for the blind at this very moment at, um weather for the blind.org and sometimes the stream goes down sometimes the power goes out in new orleans Sometimes I need to move the instrument from here to there, whatever. So, but um, on the site is also an archive of um, some choice, you know, hour, two hour long pieces of music that this instrument has made for you to listen to. Yeah. And I like this. So you're you're telling me how, you know, it was kind of an epiphany is like how I'll describe it, right? Because it's so obvious to put it on the, as a stream so people can hear it all the time. Instead of uh, making one for everybody, you just make one stream mm-hmm. for everybody. And now, now I can turn on New Orleans weather uh, whenever I choose. Like, but so what did that, what did that add to your, what did that add to the piece? Now that it's streamable. Well, what it did for me was it really connected me with a whole community of people because mostly in, I'm a musician by trade. I, I tour as a musician and I've built other synthesizers and sold them um, for years and years. It's kind of been my living. And my audience has been other synth nerds and builders and, you know, rock and roll fans and, you know, a, a joyous, lovely, hermetic cult of um family that that you know I'm not I uh, don't disparage at all but what the opening this up as kind of a for everyone free 24/7 streaming service that was just a a constant kind of healthy peaceful drone I started getting emails from healthcare professionals lots I've done lots and lots of interviews f- with um sight impaired publications and radio stations and um, it's being used in some end of life hospice care facilities and people have been talking to me about just mental health um, benefits and I, I don't know like it, it opened up my world to a whole bunch of people and communities of people that I otherwise wouldn't cross paths with and it, you know, it gets your mind thinking in different ways, and um, it's been 
it's been kind of the best thing I've ever accidentally stumbled on because of that, really. We're on the line with Quintron, a musician, an instrument builder, and specifically a synthesizer builder, a synth builder. And we're talking about your Weather for the Blind project, the Weather Warlock, right? The which is uh, the instrument. It's sort of confusing. The instrument I call the Weather Warlock. The site where you can hear it is weatherfortheblind.org. Uh, and it's a it's a synthesizer that is controlled by the weather. Yes. And. Because you put it on the internet and it's a live stream 24-7 unless the power goes out, um, it's really uh, it's, it's become transmission art. And I wonder how, how did it get connected then to I found about I found out about the project via Wavefarm, the mm-hmm. transmission art uh, uh, institution there in upstate New York linked to a community radio station. And how, yeah. how did they how did they get it? They, they commissioned an instrument from me, um, which I'm still doing. I'm building them for on commission for different people and tailoring it to the environment, the climate, the, the budget of whoever you know is wanting one. But um, as you know, they're doing really, really cool stuff up there, and they have uh, an actual live FM station that they're hooked up with and they've got a 24-7 online really just total weirdo radio thing going on mm-hmm. and so they commissioned an instrument and they went and uh, lived there for two weeks and built one tailored to upstate New York and they have it in their DJ booth in their stu- in their radio studio okay. so it's kind of like a, they. I just went and visited them after I guess they've had it for about a year and a half or something and they said that it's uh, they love it having it in the studio because it's it's uh, the ultimate solution to oh my god my I haven't found my next record yet or I'm I'm behind on this or that it is the greatest filler music of all time yeah. <laughs> because it's playing itself and it's always different and they've got a knob just for that and it's just like whoop we don't have enough time to flip that oh, piece of weather it. warlock in there and you can kind of tweak it and play it along it's a, it's great it's wonderful glue to adhere between different um, music genres or talk and music or whatever. So that's what they have ended up using it for. It's like right, right next to the DJ microphone in their studio. That's really wonderful because I still, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been at a board on a live radio program, but I still to this day will have anxiety dreams about the dead air that may or may not have ever occurred uh, where's that oh, cd yeah. that i need am i queuing or am i on air oh my god it's, and so yeah to have I, a button i'm good i'm like techy and good with that kind of thing and i mess it up all the time when i i don't host a regular radio show but yeah it gets uh you know everything's kind of I, backwards and <laughs> that's really strange wonderful. but yeah yeah so so they so they paid for their own uh Weather Warlock, right? Yes. Okay, got got it. Weather Warlock, which is a synthesizer controlled by the weather. And at this very moment, I need to find somebody out there in the world who wants to pay you to make a Weather Warlock for the Pacific Northwest because 
that would be uh, beautiful. We could pick a different key. So right now, there's one in Miami, which is tuned to E. Um, and there's one in upstate New York, and there's one in New Orleans. And I really, I don't want to do any more on the Eastern Seaboard. I want to do one up. I want to do one in a gloomy part of the Upper sure. Pacific Northwest or Canada, with, just to work with those environments. And I'd like to do one up where there's a lot of snow or someplace on the coast you're in portland oregon right i think drop d is that we should go drop d for the key for portland <laughs> i'm in it i'm into it um quindron uh thank you so much for talking to me about the weather for the blind project weather for the blind.org where people can hear yep. uh the weather in new orleans uh playing a, a synthesizer and i hope i hope i can hear the weather in other places soon uh, yeah, thanks a lot for your interest in, in uh, talking to me and keep in touch. Thank you, Eric Klein, for sharing that interview with the musician and sound artist Quintron, whose Weather Warlock is installed at the Wave Farm Community Radio Station WGXC in Acre, New York. And Jennifer, you were able to visit that that amazing station and that installation. And I am just so jealous uh, that you were able to go. Yeah, you know, I when I knew that we had a family trip planned to the Hudson Valley, um, I immediately started plotting a trip to Wave Farms. So I'm, I'm so, it was so serendipitous that I was able to see two of the studios and, and, and talk with folks and learn more about Wave Farm. And, you know, it was more than I could have possibly imagined. It's, it's, it's quite an undertaking. I'm really impressed what, by all of their projects and transmission arts and community produced news. And it's, it's amazing. I was happy to do it. Yes, I'm, I'm very impressed. They are an inspiration and they are an affiliate of Radio Survivor. So what else could make it more, more perfect I in know. that way? Yeah, it was great. It was great to meet listeners and fans, too. So, you know, that doesn't happen on every station tour. So I was, it was very exciting. I was warmly welcomed and I was very glad to make the trip. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, it was just a lot of fun to revisit this tour of the Wave Farm community radio station WGXC that Jennifer Waits was able to share with us back in July of 2018. I'm Paul Reeswindell, and I want to encourage you to check out some of our most recent episodes. Uh, you can get a sense for what is going on at the FCC here as we have the transition from the Trump to Biden administrations, even though uh, current chairman Pai is is on his way out. Um, he still has scheduled a meeting for early January. Um, there is a brand new commissioner, Republican, appointed by President Trump and confirmed by the Senate, Nathan Simington, who has kind of a radical agenda, especially when it comes to regulating online speech. Uh, so even though, you know, we should be seeing a new commissioner, uh, a new head of the FCC appointed by President-elect Biden, um, you know, it takes the Senate to kind of cooperate. So there's there's a lot that might happen 
uh, in the next month or so. So you'll definitely want to go back to episode number 277, which just recently posted with our friend Christopher Terry. He is a professor of media law at the University of Minnesota. We're also joined by our uh, Radio Survivor colleague, Matthew Lassar, who hasn't been on the podcast for a while. And he shares a little bit of what he sees as some highlights, uh, such as they are in the world of radio uh, and podcasting in 2020. And also in the previous episode to that one, number 276, Jennifer and Eric and I sat down to uh, go over and look at what we saw are some of the, the big stories uh, in radio and, and audio and sound and podcasting in, in this past year. And of course, you can find these episodes at our website, radiosurvivor.com slash podcast, or they're available in Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, uh, you can find these episodes. Of course, if you have any comments about the program, please send them to us, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. We're also on Twitter and and on Facebook, and we're just Radio Survivor. If you look for it, you will find us there, and we are a listener and reader-supported enterprise. To learn more about that, please go to radiosurvivor.com slash support. And we are heard on several dozen community radio stations across North America and in Ireland. So you can tune in there, or maybe you're hearing us on the radio right now, but of course, if you ever miss an episode, you can you can find the podcast online at radiosurvivor.com. Thank you very much for spending an hour of your time with us. And on behalf of Matthew, Jennifer, and Eric, I wish you a very, very happy and prosperous new year.